Hello and welcome back into the My Wheelhouse Basketball Podcast on the We Got Balls Podcast Network. I'm your host, Seamus McNamara. Today is February 6th, and I am joined as usual with my dear friend and co-host Steve Trudeau. Steve, what's going on? I am doing well. And before we start, I have a big question for you guys. So I just got NBA 2K22 just today. I love franchise mode, and I have the debate in my head. Who do I start with? Who is my franchise? I, I vote I vote Raptors or Pistons just because of okay. the youth that they have, but that's a very uh, biased answer. Second guest is Biddy's joining us again, dear friend Biddy's. Good to see you again. Who who are you picking to start your franchise with? Yeah, good to be here. Let's embrace the challenge. Let's go San Antonio. Wow, wow I love it. I love it. Just make it real tricky and wacky. Get weird. Get I real like excited that. about some some Dejunta Jakob Portal <laughs> it's a, pick and rolls. It's a, it's a real Rubik's cube. <laughs> can you solve can you solve a rubik's cube are you a rubik's cube guy i'm working on learning how to solve it um you know as you can see i got one side and and this is looking good in the middle i'm solving the middle right now there's it's called algorithms and i'm learning the algorithms there you go good work back when i was a camp counselor i always had like 10 year old kids that would just show off that they could do it and i would I didn't. You're never like, bothered to learn the algorithms. I'm, I'm aspiring to be those ten-year-old kids. Were you just like nerds? Get out of here! <laughs> yeah, go uh, go uh, weave some gimp. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it's February sixth. Uh, the NBA season is getting into its exciting points. The trade deadline is coming up next Thursday, four or five days away. We just had the All-Stars Reserves announced last Thursday. Um, There's lots of scuttlebutt going on. Today, we're going to dive mini deep, do a little mini deep dive, not as deep as we dove into the Grizzlies, but I really wanted to talk about the Toronto Raptors. They're surging in 2022 uh, as they were struggling with health and consistency in 2021 and the yucky uh, stench of removing the, the Tampa Raptor 2020 2021 season from from their jerseys so we got we got some fun stuff to get into but before we do anything let's jump into what happened since we last talked let's check out what happened around the league this week it's time for my wheelhouse rapid recap the dunk contest will include jalen green obi jta and cole anthony tyrus maxi carries the Embiid-less sixers past the grizzlies with a 38 point explosion the rising star challenge rosters was named Kaminga snubbed. The All-Stars reserves rosters were named. How did Chris Middleton make it? Anthony Edwards, he uh, ordered McDonald's in lieu of answering post-game questions. Harden, Simmons, speculation spikes. Our first legitimate trade occurs with the Clippers fleecing the Blazers in their desire to dip below the tax. Norman Powell and Robert Covington, the Clippers, in exchange for Justice Winslow, Eric Bledsoe, and rookie Keon Johnson, as well as a second round pick over to the Blazers. The Antetokounmpo Bros will team up for the skill challenge. Reggie Jackson saunters up the court for a game winner over the Lakers. Brooklyn continues to slide without Durant, losing their eighth straight game. Rumors of more Donovan and Rudy conflict in Utah percolate. Kaminga and now Moses Moody shine for the Warriors. Halliburton has a career high, 17 assists. LeBron James returns from minor injury with a triple-double in an overtime win where Russell Westbrook gets benched yet again. And finally, today, a second headlining trade happens with the Karis Levert domino falling as the Cleveland Cavaliers snatch him up for the mere price of a first-round pick 
two second rounders and the salary dump of the expiring Ricky Rubio. A lot of stuff going on in the league. What caught your attention most, Biddies? Thing that caught my attention most, uh, at least since I was last on, was the uh, hopefully more than one time experiment of NBA crunch time. Uh, those of you who, who say that's familiar but can't put your finger on it, it's the NBA's version of Red Zone. Really seems like they're in the testing phase right now. I'm sure they're doing a lot of dry runs. And it's just a really great way to give fans what they want, take them around the action, get people more familiar with everyone in the league. Um, so I think that was a really great way to expand the reach of the league and give fans something that they like. And it's probably going to bring in more money once they get the full, fully baked version. It's clearly a very raw product. I haven't experienced it a lot. It doesn't seem that different from you ever several years on end NBA, like the NBA TV channel kind of had, it wasn't like a game time thing, but it was just during the meet of the nightly games from seven to nine, they kind of had like a, it was kind of like a bounce around. Like you, you spend three minutes here watching the end of this game and then they kick it back to the studio and they talk about it and then they go to a different game. So it's to me so far, it's again, I haven't experienced it a ton. I think I only probably have watched it for, eight minutes in total, but it seems kind of just, they're trying to slim down what that product they formerly had was on NBA TV and make it a little bit more like you can absorb as much NBA content as possible. I love the idea. They clearly need to work out some kinks. Steve, what'd you see this week that you liked? So I I want to have a little fun fact for you guys, because I know we're going, going to get deep into the Raptors talk in a little bit. And in honor of Fred, Fred Van Vliet um, making the all-star game, he actually is the fifth player all time to go from undrafted to all-star. Do you gentlemen know the other four players by any chance? Ben Wallace. No shot. Ben Wallace, ben Wallace is one. Any idea on the other three? It gets very hard Dennis after Ben Rodman? Wallace. No. The other other three include John Starks, one-time all-star with the Knicks. Brad any Miller. Modern players? Any modern players? No. Ben Wallace yeah, is the thing. most recent player outside of Van Vliet. Other two include Brad Miller, two-time All-Star with the Kings. And this one was, no one's going to get this one, Connie Hawkins, uh, four-time All-Star from 1970 to 1973. That was prior to the merger. Fun fact about Connie Hawkins, uh, before he actually joined the Suns to become an All-Star, he played four seasons with the Harlem Globetrotters. Wow. Basketball was wacky back in the day. Wacky. Beaten up on the Washington Generals. I uh, I'm I'm down to just jump right into the Raptors. You mentioned you got something else before we dive all the way in, maybe Van Vliet oriented, because I feel like well, that's a good way. I to feel start like up, there's only not. one way to start our conversation with the Toronto Raptors, okay. and it's with this. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> All right, the floor is yours, Seamus. Thank you for, for walking us in with that. So the Toronto Raptors, they're currently, I believe now, as of tonight, yesterday they were the seventh seed, but now I believe they're the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. They're 28 and 23. They've been thriving in 2022. They are, I think they only have four losses. No, six losses so far in the new year. Uh, as we mentioned, Fred Van Fleet named to his first All-Star so far in his career. 
Pascal Siakam has really rounded into shape, likely would have been an all-star selection if he had been playing how he's played so far in the new year. Um, they've won five of their last seven games, five straight wins. No, they've won five straight, including five and seven nights. So two back-to-backs, and they were all against good teams, Miami, uh, Philly, uh, lots, lots of good wins in there. Unusually, the stats, if you're looking at the totality of the season, they're kind of middle of the pack, middle of the pack offense, middle of the pack defense, but they stand out in recent weeks as, as a quicker team that's playing fast in transition, and that's really being freakish defensively. Uh, in the new year, specifically just kind of focusing on their shift when they really became healthy, since they've had they've only had 13 games where their top seven rotation guys play, they're 11-2 and two in those games, and most of those games have come in 2022. Uh, they've shifted away from playing any other point guard besides Van Fleet. Like they don't play any other point guard. Van Fleet's the only point guard they play. Their backup point guard is a combination of Siakam and Scotty Barnes. And the skill set of just having crazy length, everyone is 6'9", that's on the court. Everyone has a seven-plus foot wingspan. It's really shown out, and they're just focusing, grinding their teeth on the defensive end of the floor, and they're getting awesome contributions from their main unit. Everyone, I would say, their four best players of Van Fleet, Siakam, Scotty Barnes, and OG Ananubi, who has now been returned for uh, injury that he was held out for a good chunk of the beginning of the season, those are all top 50 players in the NBA. And finally, they're really being able to give the time to mesh together and what we're seeing on the court is, is really beautiful basketball. And that's that's leaving out the, the fifth cast member, who is Gary Trent Jr., who earlier this season set the record for consecutive 30-point games for the Toronto Raptors. So the team is really firing on all cylinders. Uh, I think it is, depending on how the rest of the season goes, I could see Nick Nurse entering into the long list of potential Coach of the Year candidates. But I, I would love to hear what has stood out most from this team from each of you guys in, in watching and focusing on them in, in the recent week or so, because in the beginning of the year, it was really hard to take anything from them. They didn't have their full roster. Things were kind of sloppy. They were still kind of recuperating from the lost season that they had down in Tampa, but, but it's been awesome basketball to watch as of late. And I really started getting deep and I've watched every game since that triple overtime thriller against Miami and at every game since then has, has really been an awesome, awesome watch. Yeah. So it's, they're a weird team. They're a very fun team to watch. If you, if you want to get into basketball and you're not big into the NBA, I recommend watching them first because you're going to enjoy their, their style of play. But you know, if you look at the numbers to see like exactly where this team is thriving, they're pretty middle of the road, almost everywhere, except for turnover percentage given up and turnovers forced so they could do they do well with the turnover department but there's one stat i don't see here that i can't find that i think they lead the league in and it's heart because this team yeah i know it's cliche but this team honestly they they do not give up like this is the one team in the nba that they never get down when they when once the when they start to trail they never hang their heads they just fight 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 and this particularly stuck out to me not the first game against Miami where they went to triple overtime, but that second game against Miami. Now, Miami's a fantastic team this year, no doubt. And I thought going into that game, you know, they lost the first game Miami, that is. They're probably going to come in and just sucker punch them and get the easy win the second time. And guess what happened? Immediately, the Toronto Raptors find themselves down 18, 20 points. And I'm like, oh, this is over. I turn the, take, turn the game off, walk away, whatever. Check back in a half an hour later. 
Toronto Raptors are leading. This is a team that when they are down, they do not give up. They fight and claw 100% of the way, and I think that is one of the things that really has them thriving. They never give up, and they fight, fight, fight on the court. They're a scrappy team. They're they're just well-coached and motivated, which is just, you can't say that about every team around the league right now. Yeah, I think what I love about the Raptors is I love a team that has an identity. Um, They, Seamus, you were were speaking to it with Fred Van Vliet being the only point guard who plays. Um, Other than that, they have a remarkably consistent identity of everybody else who takes the floor. Uh, When you're looking at minutes played uh, after Van Vliet, you've got Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, Pascal Siakam, OG Anobi, Precious Achua, uh, Chris Boucher. All those guys are between 6'5 and 6'9. They're all, uh, some of them are really great athletes. All of them are at least plus athletes. Uh, Ken Birch would also be in that mix if he hadn't had an injury problem. Um, another guy who's 6'9, pretty good athlete out of ND Prep at Fitchburg, Mass. I have to shut that out. Um, <laughs> but but they, but by, by having that athletic, switchy identity, they know who they are every night, and when the going gets tough, they can tap into that league-leading heart to to just play that style, get behind their all-star in Fred Van Fleet, as well as their uh, former all-star in Pascal Siakam. So I think it's just really great to, to be able to watch a team with identity, and I think it's a good – establishing identity is a really good first step to being a good team. Yeah, I think, I think the one unique thing about this Raptors team is – I know some teams want to switch a lot of stuff. Some teams want to switch everything. This this team can literally switch everything because they have, you know, at any given time, four guys in the court that can just interchange. And one thing I found interesting watching uh, the Raptors play Miami this past week is Scotty Barnes, which I'm I love Scotty Barnes. He's my guy. Um, they had Scotty Barnes guarding like Bam out of bio for stretches. So like it just shows like versatility of like you can take a guy. Any guy on the Raptors, play him at the three, play him at the four, play him at the five. It's just remarkable how much versatility they have at any any given time on the floor. I agree with everything. And when I'm looking at this team in its entirety, the most interesting pivot points for the roster to me are their rookie, Scotty Barnes, and the return to his former all-NBA self with Pascal Siakam. And I, I understand that. Fred Van Fleet is going to be the headlining guy because he's the all-star for the team. And, and I don't want to take credit away from him because he's been fantastic. He's extended his range and he's a legitimate deep threat. He's been an all defensive caliber uh, perimeter defender for them all season long. And, and he's been a steadying presence. I think he leads the league in minutes. Uh, a lot of their players are in the top 15 or 20 because they play that short roster uh, rotation, as you mentioned. Uh, after after Precious, who I think plays their seventh fewest minutes, it dips down to like something below like eight minutes a game. So they 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 really trust the people they have in their rotation. But I, I want to focus for just a little bit on specifically Pascal and o, uh, and excuse me Scotty Barnes because that's where I think the most interesting aspects of the team is because early in the season when they in the small instances where they had a full cast of characters, I was seeing not butting of heads, but butting of roles between Scotty and him coming onto the scene and Pascal failing to 
really show himself as the all-star player we've seen in the past. And I thought I saw a lot of overlap and that's why earlier on I was throwing Pascal's name out in trade discussions because I thought this team needed to clear space for Scotty and needed to fit him with a better supporting piece. But what we've seen from Pascal in 2022 is an adjustment to his play style and in an enhancement of the skills that he brushed on back when he was an all NBA player. When was that? 2019. Um, and, and that was controversial to begin with because he started off the season and it was like, he was an MVP candidate for the first three months. And then he kind of tailed off. Um, Celtics fans will tell you that Jason Tatum should have had that all NBA second team spot. Not that he wasn't, not that Pascal Siakam wasn't an all NBA player or deserving, but what we're seeing from him now is his skills as a playmaker and as legitimately probably one of the 10 best defenders in the NBA are being showcased in a way that it meshes so perfectly with the players that he has around him. And he's able to pick his spots at the right points and fall back on the things that he's comfortable with his mid range game, attacking the rim and attacking the hoop in transition. He has, he has more tools in his bag than just the spin move, which was, when it failed him in previous postseasons, that was kind of it for him. So I, I love the, I don't want to say growth because that makes it sound like he didn't have these aspects of the game previously because he did, but I, I feel like he's honing the right areas of his game and he's, and he's choosing to implement them in the right manner. Now that he's surrounded by a, a complete team, like this roster, this feels like a, like such a complete team. Like the only thing they don't have is like a bona fide big to bang with the bigger guys that they're going to be going up against in the Eastern conference playoffs. It's not like those grow on trees because no one in the league can guard Nicole Jokic. Um, no one in the league can guard Joel Embiid. They've actually done okay in the past in comparison to other teams in terms of how they guard Giannis Antetokounmpo, that they're good at walling up because they have crazy length. They're good at cutting off driving lanes. So I love what I've seen from Siakam. We've heard them in terms of the names that they're targeting at the trade deadline to be centers um, they wanted Rob Williams. He's not available. Uh, we hear they might want Jakob Pertl back, a uh, former Toronto Raptor. But just out of Siakam, Steve, wh what did you think of him? Like, did you think that that last year when he had the all NBA season, was that like a fluke to you? Or are, now that you're seeing it again, like this clear player, like since, since January, he's well, been one of the 10 best players in the league, in my opinion. I think one interesting thing is that that year that he made all NBA and all-star team. Um, if you look at his stats this year thus far, he's just as good this year, if not better statistically than he was in that breakout year for himself. So that's just one interesting thing to consider, but I'm seeing a different style of play this year. I, I see him less on ball. I think last year I saw him a lot with the ball in his hands, trying to be more of like a point forward. And now he's just working off of Van Vliet and doing other things, cutting to the basket and just getting in the paint. So I think his I think he's kind of regressing back in a good way to the way he played when he became an all NBA player. And the way that he fits with Scotty Barnes now is at first they did clash a little bit, I think. But you see Scotty Barnes almost playing a different role, like a dunker role now in this team, where he's he's just moving around under the basket looking for for openings and looking for open looks, and he's not he's not gonna operate the ball in his hands. He's just kind of working off everybody else. So I think Nick Nurse has done a great job to kind of find ways where, yes, Siakam and Barnes on the surface, they look like they're redundancies, but they're, he found ways to use them both differently so they complement each other at the same time. So kudos to that coaching staff for really getting this thing back together. Since 
December 28th, Siakam is averaging 23, 9, and 6. Six assists a game. He's averaging two steals and one block a game. He's shooting 48, 40, and 75. He's been an electric player. And I like, I can't talk enough about how incredible this is the best defense we've seen from Pascal Siakam ever. That, that, that Miami game, he had so many plays where it was, he was defending on the perimeter, defending the rim, second chance uh, opportunities he was cutting off. He, he has been a menace on the defensive end of the floor. I think he's probably going to be on one of my defensive year defensive teams once the once the once the end of the year comes around. But you're absolutely right that he's really f- fitting into the offense so much more smoothly than maybe he was previously. And I do I do think that maybe jumping off and, and really using the growth from Van Fleet as a springboard maybe has helped him because the minutes that they play together, that Van Fleet Siakam pick and roll is one of the most potent pick and rolls that we've seen in the NBA so, so far. Uh, I think his abilities as a, as a playmaker on the short roll, uh, catching it free throw extended and being able to find Scotty in the dunker spot or being able to find Gary Trent Jr. or OJ Ananobi, both 40% three-point shooters in the wing. They, they just have the perfect spacing and tools on each part of their offense. And Nick Nurse is really pressing the right buttons. And then when Van Fleet sits on the bench for the – seven minutes that he sits on the bench because he's playing the most minutes in the league. Scotty Barnes is awesome as a pick and roll initiator, the ball handler in the pick and roll. And then Scotty Barnes is coming up and he's being the guy at the point of the screen. So I've loved how they've deployed Siakam and I, and I love how he's been playing lately on both ends of the floor. So I hope it continues. Biddies, do you think right now they're, I mean, they jumped, they've skyrocketed up the standings. They were like 12th, like three weeks ago. And and now they're sitting at the sixth. Do, do you think they're a legitimate threat to win a first round matchup? Are they going to stay outside the play-in? What do you think? I think the only way. No. I think the only <laughs> wow. way that they could win a first round matchup is if they like match up with the Bulls, and they played the Bulls really tough uh, twice in the past week, including a, a Scotty Barnes game time tipping. But if they have to go against the Bucks or the Heat, or, or we already talked about their lack of size uh, going up against Philadelphia, they would have a really tough time. So if they get the right matchup, then I would believe in them. But if I had to bet right now, not knowing who the opponent's going to be, I would bet against Toronto winning the first-round matchup. Uh, but I know Steve wants to hop Bitties, in. Biddies, did you not hear the stat earlier? They lead the league in heart. <laughs> But seriously, I I I am higher on them than I guess you are because I think on any given any given day they can win a game, and I'm not going to count them out on any series. I think they can be anyone if they get hot at the right time because this is a team that's just knocking. They're they're stupid confident. They will play anyone and they'll play them hard for 48 minutes. And you know, back to your point, Seamus, about needing a big. I don't necessarily necessarily think they need to grab a big clunky big in the middle to like grab boards and bang. Because if you look at who they might play in a first round series, like Miami's small Bam Adebayo, they can they could throw a Pascal or Scotty on Bam Adebayo. Uh, I mean Vucevic, like I'm not too worried about Vucevic. Cleveland would be a problem. Cleveland would be a problem. They're really big down low. Milwaukee, it's Bobby Portis down low. Like I don't know what. You're not really worried there. Philly is the one team that, like, if I'm the Raptors, I do not want to play because Embiid is going to be a problem for you all day. Um, 
But let's just say, for example, let's say they don't win a series in the first round. God help that team that plays the Raptors the first round because the Raptors are going to push that whoever they play, they're going to make that team work 48 minutes for however many games that series goes, and they're going to come out of the series, whoever wins, just tired as hell for the next the next series. I think you're right. And, and I yeah, go ahead. And and this is a team who the last time they were in the playoffs was against the Celtics in the bubble, and it was a case where if my memory serves me correctly, the Celtics were up 2-0, about to be up 3-0, yeah. and, uh, and they get the pass over Taco. And that game, that season, that series ends up going seven. So they were really in a, in a spot where they were up against the ropes, about to be down 3-0, pushed it to seven, and had not been for like a Marcus Smart insane quarter, then, uh, then they might have won that series, and, and who knows how they might have matched up against Miami in that next round. But I, I think... It just speaks volumes to the their lead, leading the league in heart that they do believe in themselves that they are going to push whoever they play really hard. Um, but as a Boston Celtics fan, I know what it's like to go into a playoff matchup where your your leading scorer is an undersized guard, and it gets tough when it when it comes to seven games. Yeah, and I mean even if just using that Celtics series as an encapsulation of what we're seeing from them now. If you're looking back, they really could have used a player with Scotty Barnes' skill set. They really could have used the growth that we've seen from Van Fleet to the player that he is now. And, and if you put those pieces in retroactively, I, I, I think that I would be confident in the Raptors edging out over the Celtics. So uh, you were saying that, yeah, they need the right matchup to 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 win it out. I, I agree, but I think they're I think they're the fourth best team in the in the East right now. And and I think that I have the fourth most confidence if you could frame it that way and if they got a matchup against one of the three teams i have above them those teams being i mean it's pretty funny to say it but those those teams being milwaukee miami and it sounds stupid but brooklyn who's plummeting those are the three teams that i'm more confident in them i like laugh even thinking about having confidence in brooklyn but (laughs) those are the teams i have more confidence in than raptors and it's purely because they have more proven experience they have uh problems like on philly's side that are specifically uh, going to be an issue for toronto and just that i trust the success that the milwaukee bucks have had that they're going to be able to maintain past the raptors but if they run into one of those teams and like if it's the nets and it's the nets with ben simmons instead of james harden and it's the nets it, that means they can't use Kyrie Irving because the mandate hasn't changed. I feel like I'm going to pick the Raptors if it's Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. I, I don't know. And then if it's the Miami Heat, that their core pieces haven't been healthy for a stretch longer than five games for the entire year. So when I actually start thinking about it, I say, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat anyone outside of Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. So I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from them. I, I think that Scott, Scotty, to me, is really the key that has unlocked this team. I, I do think that they they would prefer to have one more piece. Uh, I, I, I'm sure more injuries will come up. They're really healthy right now, so things look great. But we saw how clunky things can look earlier in the year when all their pieces aren't available. But I, I think that they could use – I don't think they need a starting center because I like the recipe of players they have right now. And I'm not saying they should consolidate any of the seven guys that are playing heavy minutes from them. But players like Malachi Flynn and other, other just like – throw them at the wall and hope they stick young guys 
They still have the Drogic stuff to figure out whether or not it's just them buying them out, which could happen, but maybe they'll get a second round pick for them and they can flip that. I, I think there's some tinkering around the edges to try and get a player, probably not Pirtle's caliber because he's actually like really, really good, but, but someone who's like bench reputable. Um, and I, I think that when the playoffs roll around, I'm, I'm going to be really favoring them to do well as long as they're not playing Milwaukee. I'm probably going to pick them to win the first round series unless we're seeing a fully healthy, perfect Miami that they're going up against, unless they're going up against Milwaukee. And unless the people like, like, I don't, I understand Joel Embiid is going to be a tricky matchup for this team. He's a tricky matchup for any team, but what we've seen from them in the past is unless they bring in a new cast of characters, and we'll talk about that in a little bit for what the trade deadline could see them having and yielding for a new roster. I, I don't know if the other players on that team are enough to etch them past what I really, really like uh, about this Raptors team. So I, 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 I love them. And before, before we close out on the Raptors, I know you got some stuff more. I want to talk about more Scotty, but first, what do you, what else? Do I you could think talk Raptors that? all day. This is probably like, so every year as a first person who purchases the NBA league pass, you find a team to watch. Like so there's a team that finds you. The Raptors are my team this year. Like I've watched a lot of Raptors, so I love this team, but the one thing that really concerns me about the Raptors is they are the anti-Minnesota, I mean, not Minnesota, they're the anti-Memphis Grizzlies. And I mean that in this this regard. The Memphis Grizzlies, their strength, as we talked about a few episodes ago, their strength is that they have so much depth and they can have guys come in from 1 to 12 and contribute. The Raptors, on the other hand, they have a really tight lineup right now, 1 through 7. But I am so scared. If one of those seven guys go down, if it's Van Vliet, if it's Siakam, if it's Scotty Barnes, if it's Gary Trent Jr., they are so paper thin that if one of those guys goes down, their rotations are going to go to complete shit. And they are going to be stuck find, looking for help. Because if you look how they how Nick Nurse does his rosters right now, they'll take out Scotty Barnes really early in the game. And the idea is like they put him in with like the subs and they just have to kind of mix, mix and match how they, they take stars and push put them in you know and here and there. So they don't really have a true bench. And if there's an injury along, along on that roster, they're going to be screwed, man. Their rotations are going to go complete shit and they're going to be in, in big trouble. I mean, injuries are a concern for any roster. Right, but um, them, them more than other rosters because they don't have someone to step up. Yeah, I think because of how dependent they are on a, on a shorter rotation than other teams, like they don't go 10 deep, even though, I mean, I don't, I, I want to cut some of their other guys some slack. Like I actually do like what I've seen from Delano Banton, their, their rookie. That's Emmy's guy. <laughs> He, he's he's fun. He's lanky. He he can he can throw around here and there just because he's kind of a wacky player. Um, I think Utah Watanabe. I don't think he's healthy right now, but he shows signs of being like a fun switchable defender who's like an awesome closeout. He like has random skills. Like he's a good corner three point shooter. He's good at attacking the rim and he's good on closeouts. Like he's really weird, but he's bad at everything else. So like they have some things here and there where if it's a short absence from one of the main guys, like they can kind of piece together, like lengthening their rotation out to nine guys and just hoping that they can get some type of answer. We've seen random spot minutes from Justin Champagny and he's been mostly bad, but sometimes okay. So I I don't want to, I don't want to cut it off. Like it, it, it's a bunch of nobodies below the seven people that play. And even in the seven people, like 
Chris Boucher is really hit and miss. He's one of the seven guys. And Pressure Satrua, he's been actually awesome defensively, but on the under the end of the court, oh my God, is that a nightmare? He is one of the worst offensive players in the NBA. So so <laughs> the Jesus. team is really interesting. And I, I think as long as they don't lose like two of them, I think they can sustain it just because those five guys are so good. So as long as it's not like Siakam and Van Fleet being out, I think they can sustain some absences and the play, these players, OG is the only one who has had some string of like continued injury trouble throughout his career. The other guys, it's kind of like here and there. Pascal has like a little tweak that pops up every once in a while. Gary Trent is, has a few. Scotty, Scotty wor- worries me. Way. He worries me. Scotty worries you. I mean, he he has, he got hurt way back, but has he missed time this year for injury? Or He's was missing. It COVID he stuff? misses random games here or there with like knees and he, he's just too young to have like these random i need a day off because my body hurts it just it's kind of they, concerning. they seem like they're like rest I don't, I don't really know what that is but like let's i would love to talk about scotty because I, I think he's one of the most interesting players in the nba and i don't think the league has seen a player like him in a very long time and when i'm looking at his i talk a lot about this class and about how their approach to their growth in terms of their development of their skill set and what makes sense in terms of what they should target and work on in a specific offseason and what they should come and bring to the table in, in the ensuing year. And, and Scotty, he, he grew from at Montverde when he, where he played with Cade, where he was a 3-4 that was all about transition play, frenetic defense. And then he, he smartly, similar to how Cade, smartly chose a role for him at Oklahoma State that was going to maximize the skills that he didn't have. Scotty smartly chose Florida State and they employed him as a backup point guard. He, he was the sixth man of the year for Florida State, and he started spot games because they had a lot of injuries, and he played heavy, heavy minutes at point guard. And he, he really brushed off a skill set that we did not realize that he had. We saw some passing chops at the high school level, but we saw no ball handling, no pick and roll ability, and we saw all of that at Florida State. And then come to the Toronto Raptors, I mean, he's starting games at center. And, and he's walling up big guys. He's grown. I think he's probably 6'10 now, 6'11. And he's got a legitimate 7'5, 7'4 wingspan. He's really, really, really strong. And I and I just think what we've seen from him, his weaknesses are still shot creation, shooting, but purely his confidence and uh, to use a word that Steve continues to use, his heart and his like passion and his confidence He's really showing out in ways that I was not expecting him to show out. He is potent as an offensive player, and that is not something I was expecting to see. He can play any role you want him to. So earlier in the season, he was like a higher usage guy because Pascal was still working back in. He's dipped his usage down, and he's playing as like a lob threat or I'm cleaning up the dirty mess that kind of happens because a play dies. So he's really picking his spots perfectly and this is all while playing like borderline all NBA defensive level as a rookie. So I, I don't want to I don't want to underrate what I'm seeing out of a potential like all time player in his youth. Is he 20 years old yet? I think he's still 19. So uh, what we're seeing 20. from Scotty, yeah, he's 20. So this this roster that they have, the oldest players on, on it that matter. Are, are Van Fleet, Siakam, and Gary Trent. Wait. None of those guys are older than 27. Really? Those quick. guys are all under the 27. I, shocking revelation. Chris Boucher's 29. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 
he's he's subsidiary. He doesn't matter. I just yes, thought he was way younger. I thought he was a prospect. Yes. He a prospect. No. He's he he came to the scene late. He he okay. was thriving with the Raptors 905 G League team for like five years. But Shout but OG yeah, OG and and Scotty Barnes being like the young nucleus and then having the veteran play of Van Fleet and Siakam. Because right now the, the team's best two players are Van Fleet and Siakam. And then as team as time progresses, slowly OG and and Scotty are going to overtake those guys, and they're going to be the two best players on the team, and they're going to be the leaders. And this team is just set up so perfectly that they don't need to make a groundbreaking move. They just need to trust the development that Masai Ujiri has proven to be just a godsend at being able to find diamonds in the rough, find players in the, in the D-League, finds players overseas. His scouting has really, really proven out to be fantastic. So looking forward, casting forward this team, uh, surrounding Scotty with the pieces that he needs to be the best player he can be, they already have it in-house. Like how often do we talk about, we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. We need to pick the right players to fit around these guys. Or me saying, I'm, I love Cade more than anything. He could be really good if Detroit does a good job. Like Toronto already has the pieces that Scotty and OG need to succeed at a high level moving forward for several, several years. And and I really, really think that Scotty's going to be one of the 10 best players in the league in two years, three years. Like he he's really, really good. So I, I love I love this team. I think that as we continue to progress and continue to watch, I'm hoping they have sustained health. But these rumors that you're hearing where that it was like they had the funny thing where like they've made calls about Robert Williams and we're hearing that they're actually interested in Danilo Gallinari and um, one of what was the other name? The other name was Jakob Pertl. Is there anybody that like could stand off the page that you could see them? I don't know if they trade Delano Banton or they trade Svi Mikhailuk or maybe it is Malachi Flynn. Should they cash in some draft picks? Do you think that this is a team that shouldn't mess around with their top five because their top five makes sense? But is this a team that should make a consolidatory move for a really, really big upgrade on the bench? Or should they just ride it out, trust their draft selections that they're going to be having in the, in the mid to late first, and just keep trucking with what they've been doing so far? I would kind of want to see them ride it out because they're, they're just they've, such a complete team and they play so well together. And they all have a, this mentality, this Raptor way mentality. I just don't want to bring in a guy just to improve the roster that doesn't really fit what they want to do on the floor effort-wise and just fit what they do, their system. I, I really like how they do it and they how they homegrown every, all their guys. And they come up from, whether it's the 305 Raptors or it's their own draft pick, they all just have this right mentality, this Raptor mentality. It's almost like people say, oh, the heat culture, heat culture, this, heat culture, that. Get out of here with the heat culture, the Raptor culture, man. I'm with the Raptors culture. And I just really quick, and I want to ask you both of you this after Betty gets in. You know who Scotty does remind me of? And it, it's it's a little weird because they lost him already. <laughs> sure. Kawhi, man. It's a little Kawhi, but go ahead, Betty. Um, I would say that they should make a trade mainly because they have a $19 million salary in Goran Dragic that is expiring, is going to leave. And that's just a unique set of circumstances that you can go out and find somebody else with a salary of that level, continue to, to reap dividends on that, that Kyle Lowry experience. So I think if you, I think that they should make the trade because they can right now and throw in draft picks to bring in a player who is probably more on that 
Van Vliet Siakam timeline because if Scotty Barnes is going to be a top 10 player in two to three years per per my wheelhouse basketball podcast, um, then then that's fine because uh, they would they would be in their late 20s, early 30s, still very ready to be part of a championship roster. So I think you make the move now because you can, because you don't have to think very hard about what contract you're going to offload. And I know that we always bring it back to the Celtics because that's all that's all I think about. Um, but that's kind of been one of the challenges that the Celtics have been in for, for a few years is that Marcus Smart, who's a valuable part of the rotation, has essentially been the only contract that they could have traded over several years. And that's resulted in, in nothing happening. So where you have the obvious piece in tragic, even if it's going out and getting like a Miles Turner who doesn't blow you away, who don't, you know, you don't obviously is not the answer to Joel Embiid uh, and does not like, does not bring, make all your dreams come true. At least you're getting a talented player who's a part of the roster and then is maybe a part of a second move. You know who I like for the Raptors? I'm looking, just looking at the, te- the various teams that are the bottom of the barrel. It doesn't make sense the salary wise if you're gonna move out Drogic, but uh, Lou Dort would be would be a fun one to add to the Raptors. He matches their intensity and what they like to do. He can spread the floor. He's he's available if you want to give up two first round picks, and that, maybe yeah, they will. Don't I, I I don't want to make it seem like they. I I don't think they would have to trade like three first round picks if they were giving Drogic to get Miles Turner. Um, Drogic has like little value unless he's going to Dallas or like a team that's specifically expressed interest in him. Maybe they could get Maxi Kleber from Dallas if they also gave like a second round draft pick with Goran Drogic. So, and that could be actually like a perfect recipe for what they're looking. They want some big help off the bench, someone that can give them an answer in a pinch that isn't Scotty or Pascal playing minutes at the five, because even though Chris Boucher he, he's a five. He he can't play the five in, in, in the manner that they need him to play when it comes to postseason basketball. Um, before we close out, uh, my my comps for Scotty Barnes coming into the NBA were Anton Jameson, Kyle Anderson, Draymond Green, Scotty Pippen, and Thaddeus Young. Those, those are my comps for Scotty Barnes. But um, we, we spoke a little bit on – some potential trades that the Toronto Raptors could get interested in before we jump into rumors that are swirling before Thursday's deadline. I would love to briefly touch on the two deals that we saw happen this past week. Uh, We had a deal recently drop today between the Indiana Pacers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, The summary of that deal was Karis LeVert to the Cavs for Ricky Rubio a first round pick that's lottery protected. It's going to be from this year. So it's going to be, I don't know, the the 21st pick in a pretty weak draft in terms of its depth, as well as a couple second rounds picks. Uh, How how are you feeling about this acquisition of Karis LeVert? Do you think that this is a clear, a hope for for them to be able to to just maybe contend if if things fall right for them? But how do you see him fitting in? And and do you think they're going to do more things at the deadline? Because I, I was half expecting to see Colin Sexton's name in the return for Indiana. Um, that would have made sense to me, but but they still have that that bullet in the barrel. So so how do you how do you like that acquisition of Levert for the Cavs biddies and and where do you see them going forward as the season progresses? 
I think, I mean, you turned a, a roster spot that was being taken up by an injured player into somebody who's going to contribute. Um, I think that's a big win for them. And the price of a first-round pick, I imagine that Indiana heard the market loud and clear and knew that they weren't going to get much more for Karis LeVert. So I don't think he drastically alters your destiny, but you got a you got a contributor where you didn't have one um, because of injury. So I think that's a big win. And from from here, I don't know who the Sexton dance partner is going to be. Um, it's just it's it's a unique situation with him. So I, I don't know. I don't have any machinations in my head about what the Sexton trade would be, and because of that, I. I think I have to cop out and just say that there won't be one because of that. I like Karis Levert. I was a big fan of Levert last year, like the second half of last year when he came back from um, that that cancer scare. I think he had like there was a scare of like what was it bladder cancer? Anywho, yeah, they found they found like a mass when he got traded. It was like in the trade physical for him to go to Indiana. They found a mass. It was like crazy. But yeah, he's okay now. Yeah, he was really good when he came back, though. He was just a, a walking bucket. He was getting like 20, 20 points on the reg, just easy. But um, I don't, I don't know. Like he's a good player and all, but I don't know how drastically he helps Cleveland's future because you're. T- I liked, I liked other guys on Cleveland's roster too. I like Shetty, Shetty Oseman, and I like uh, Isaac Okoro, and those guys. You give me a look. I like Oseman. I like those guys. Like they're gonna lose minutes to to Lever. I mean, he's he's gonna be helpful uh, bench score for them. I don't know how much that he changes their fortune. It's an okay trade. I think both teams it makes sense for, but it's not not groundbreaking. And we haven't seen anything groundbreaking yet, and I don't know if we will. No. I mean, he's a small domino because I think he was definitely going to get moved. Whether we heard earlier in the week, uh, I was just tracking one of my things on my rundown was going to be that the, the Cavs are targeting Karis Levert, and sure enough, that happened. So I deleted that. But, I mean, Levert is kind of just like a – he's a – bigger version of Sexton to a degree. He, he's, he's got more size. He's not a good defender, but he's got more reputable ability on that end than Sexton does. And, and he can score. I mean, his most recent game was a 40 point outburst in a loss to Chicago where they almost had him. Um, he's averaging like 23 points a game since December. So he, he he's good. Um, we, we saw him kind of being a, a, a knifing driving a guy with a deep scoring arsenal back when he broke onto the scene for Brooklyn. Um, he's, he's returning to a Brooklyn teammate and Jared Allen. So, so they have some institutional chemistry built up already. Uh, those two have talked about how much they like playing together. So hopefully the infusion of him into this won't really ripple in the wrong way because what the problem for Cleveland has been is, is the lack of creation outside of Garland. I mean, their defense has been fantastic. And that's purely been led by Mobley and Allen, but we've seen good play offensively when Garland is is the main facilitator and main initiator. But when he leaves the floor, their their offense really plummets. So just having another guy that can competently get his own shot can score can score twenty points, even if he's not. I mean, he's not. I think I have him like 89th as like the 80, 89th best player in the league. So like you're not like writing home about him, but I, I think he helps, and and I think he they make. They make the Cavs a more a more legitimate playoff threat. I mean, I'm not if, if they if they play against Chicago, I'll pick the Cavs to win that series. But I'm not I'm not picking them over the aforementioned Raptors. I'm not picking them above 
any of the teams that we have in the top three, but, but I, I love them and they're early to the scene. And I, I think the acquisition of a player who's, I mean, he's not crazy old. How old is Karis Levert? 26, 27. So I'm looking right now, 27. 27. So, yeah. So I, I think it makes sense. It's, he's slightly more veteran than, than the core that they have built up, but it should be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved uh, <laughs> Sexton. What's funny is Rubio was such a good fit there. Like he was really, really yeah. awesome early in the season. It's just a bummer because he got hurt. And I've already seen rumors because his contract is up after this year. I've already seen rumors that when his contract ends, he's just going to come back and re-sign with Cleveland again. Why not? Next year. So, um, yeah, like as, far, as far as... A, I like your idea of a Laurie Markkinen revenge series, Cavs, Bulls. Yes, absolutely. Laurie, he's he's proving everyone wrong that he can play as a small forward in the NBA, but who knows? Um, as far as the Pacers return, I mean, this is awesome. I mean, if, if you look if you look from what Portland, the trade we'll talk about in a second, about what Portland got from Norman Powell, who was like the same tier of a player as Karis LeVert, like similar tier player, also at somewhere between 85 and 100 in the NBA. They got a salary dump for Norman Powell to get a first round pick and multiple seconds. I understand it's not a great first round pick, but you got to be really, really happy if you're Indiana. So the trade makes sense. I'm not surprised it happened. And the other deal, I, I, I see it as a fleecing. I mean, for Clippers to get two players that one of them's value is completely depressed in Robert Covington, who's had an awful year, but his most value is brought as an off ball defensive roamer who is frenetic and just causes lots of defensive events. When he struggles, it's when he's being depended on to be a primary defender. And what he's not going to be on the Los Angeles Clippers is a primary defender because they have players like Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. So he's going to be maximized there. I'm just curious, do you think that this move, Steve, is is it a sign that maybe Kawhi and Paul George might come back this year and, and they're actually going to try and compete earlier rather than later? Or is it just kind of this value is too good to pass up? Let's just go for it. Well, it makes sense. We're giving up Eric Bledsoe and Justice Winslow. Who cares? I think it's the latter. I, I mean, I think they're approaching it in this this sense. I think it's a great deal for them and cherry on top. If by chance you get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back, excellent. You can make a push and I, you know, they don't necessarily have to come back in the season. Maybe they can survive a round in the playoffs because they are a scrappy team. Maybe they can get lucky, survive around and get one of these guys back. Who knows? But you know, when you have a team like Portland, who's just managed by a bunch of knuckleheads and they don't know what they're doing, might as well fleece them when you can. I mean, to, I mean, I don't want to give them any credit because I think that their front office is awful. And to me, it, it on the Portland end, it shows a sign that they're shopping CJ, and we'll talk about that in a second. And I think that Dame is likely soon to be following all the other players out the door, probably in the offseason. But to, to give them the teeniest pinch of credit, I really like Keon Johnson. Um, he was the rookie flyer that they got in this trade. I think he, to them, clearly, their evaluation and their scouting team had him rated as a first-round prospect. So they're looking at Keon Johnson as a first-round pick that their scouting profile liked. I, I loved Keon Johnson coming out of Tennessee last year with, with this draft that I really, really liked. He was my number nine, no, number 10 player in this last year's draft. I had him ahead of guys like Davion Mitchell, Alperin Sengun. I had him ahead of Franz Wagner. Obviously, I was wrong there. But I, I really liked his skill set as the athletic two-way wing whose offense is a lot of thrashing, attacking the rim, some playmaking equity, and defensively he was just an on-ball menace 
and just an athletic freak. My comps were Iguodala, the previous drafts, Isaac Okoro, and Boston's own Jalen Brown. So clearly Portland likes what they see out of him. I hope he gets some burn because he needs minutes, and he's he's been tearing it up here and there for the Aguilamente Clippers or whatever their G League affi- affiliate is. But um, let, let's jump to some some rumors. I'll, I'll just run through everything that I have uh, listed here in terms of what I've heard as scuttlebutt in the past week or so, and, and you guys can pick out what you find to be most interesting. Uh, all of the Sacramento Kings is available. We've heard De'Aaron Fox for Julius Randle potential swaps. And we hear lots about Harrison Barnes and uh, Rashawn Holmes getting moved. Obviously, we've heard a ton about Harden and Simmons. That's a full episode's worth of discussion to talk about. Eric Gordon, apparently Houston has a late first-round pick available for them. All they have to do is press accept. They're probably waiting for a better team. I'm curious about which team that is. Lots of playoffs teams would love Eric Gordon. Dennis Schroeder of the Boston Celtics. Uh, I said previously that you can lock him in as getting moved. I continue to think so. We heard this week that both the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls have a trade on the table for Dennis Schroeder. I doubt it's for much of anything, but that's okay with me. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets are shopping P.J. Washington for a center. The Washington Wizards are shopping Montrezl Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Thomas Bryant, and maybe Bradley Beal. Uh, the Pelicans want a two-guard, specifically the aforementioned Eric Gordon and C.J. McCollum. The Spurs are willing to Merv Pirtle if the price is right. The Raps, as we mentioned, want a center. And the Pacers, after that uh, Levert trade, we heard that they're going to be more active than originally thought and that definitely one of Turner or Sabonis is going to get traded, and maybe now both of them could end up getting moved. So it's interesting to see that change of heart. So obviously there's a lot going on. Um, Biddies, what, what, what do you think is most interesting? Or you could say like, just what trade you think would be fun or whatever catches your attention. I think what would be most interesting is what you brought up, I think, last, which was the Pacers. And I think the right answer all along has been they need to tank. And they've been on the mediocrity treadmill for a long time. And they brought in Rick Carlisle, which is more win now than, than tanking. So I, I wonder what internal conversations have been going on that have got them to a point where they can see themselves accepting that both Sabonis and Turner would be gone and they'd have a, a boat full of draft picks and, and really start from scratch and do it kind of in a scary small market um so yeah that one i just really wonder how it's come about and i think that there are a few opportunities like you mentioned pj washington i think that you know washington for turner is one that we can keep an eye on and makes a ton of sense i think that in that kind of rundown that i just gave i think there's two teams there that are likely partners to me for indiana right now indiana is fifth in the reverse standings like if you go to tankathon.com they're fifth. Ideally, you want to get to the top three just because those all have the same odds at the first round pick. The teams above them are pretty ineffable. They, you got the Magic, Pistons, Rockets, and Thunder. I don't think that they're going to jump ahead any of those, but it's important that they stay where they are with the Kings and Spurs and, and Pelicans really nipping at their heels. But I, I think that my, my most likely trade uh, pairings for the Pacers, because I do think that they should trade both. I don't know if they will is some combination of 
young player, whether it's Denny Abdia or Rui Hachimura, maybe it's both. And then some of those guys that I mentioned before, Dinwiddie, Montrez Harrell, Thomas Bryant, a first round pick if you need to, to get Sabonis. And then I think it's the, it's the PJ Washington and a first round pick for Miles Turner. That, that, that deal just makes so much sense. And I think that gives the Pacers a good crop of some young players. None of them are going to be a star, but they could be your third or fourth best player on a playoff team if things go right. And then just building up draft capital. They already landed a first for Karis Levert. So I think that tanking, going for it, that's the right strategy. We'll see if they really do it. But I am I, excited for them to be really changing and, and maybe committing because they've refused to commit previously. Uh, Steve, what, what team or player are, are you most interested in seeing making a move or getting moved? So I haven't put too much thought into the whole trading, but I, first of all, I don't think this is going to be a very exciting deadline to be, to be honest with you. I think that there's going to be a lot of hype and nothing's going to really happen. I just think there's a lot of teams either that are tanking that don't have a lot of assets they want to move. So it's like, you know, your magic is a bunch of young players, the Houston Rockets, a bunch of young players. So they have a lot of players they want to hold on to. And there's just so many good teams, like maybe not good, but so many teams that are rationally confident that they'll make the playoffs. Uh, I do think Eric Gordon's an interesting one because he's an older player with a team that wants to go young. And I, I, I put lines to two teams. I don't know if it makes sense contractually, but the Celtics would, would probably do do well to get a guy like Eric Gordon who can sp- space the floor because they've needed some perimeter shooting. And also, I just I wrote the Timberwolves because I want to see the Timberwolves be aggressive for once. They've been a joke of the league for the past, God, since KG, essentially. I mean, they had a couple good Kevin Love years, but I'd love to see the Timberwolves do something and be a buyer because right now they are one game out one game out of the actual playoffs, no play-in. So it's it's time for them to actually, you know, put some chips into the table and actually make a move to be aggressive and, and be somewhat of a reputable franchise. Something I forgot to mention, and it could be because it faded away, but we heard at the end of last week that Minnesota was fielding calls with the Celtics in trades that were revolving around Malik Beasley and Josh Richardson. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Beasley was a player that got moved uh, he's had a terrible year, worst year of his career shooting wise. But well, I, I think something like that was could he the guy who got suspended? Was he the one who was suspended for ten or so games? Yes. Okay. Yes. He's better than, in my opinion, Josh Richardson. I mean, he always having oh, a bad sure. year, but he, sure. he was great. I mean, last Richardson year. Richardson's been better this year, but every other year of their career besides the Miami year, Malik Beasley has been the superior player. Uh, Eric Gordon. It's interesting to, I mean, I would love him on the Boston Celtics if the Celtics could get him. I don't think that the Celtics are the team that are offering their first round pick because right now the Celtics are somewhere between 15 and 20 in terms of where their first round pick is. To me, that team is probably Memphis, Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, maybe Philadelphia. So just the team that's kind of like somewhere, maybe it's Golden State. You know what I mean? And I think any of those teams could use him. He's a bowling ball. Um, He's reputable defensively like he's not a minus defender and and he he can obviously shoot shoot the leather off the ball so i i would love for him to get moved i would i would be ecstatic if the celtics were able to land him but uh, i don't i don't know where he would be best fit you said the deadline is four days from today yeah thursday night so question for you or guys th- like 3 p.m i think because this Did is they pretty- move it last year was at like six i don't know but Hard it's thursday so by the time we record the next episode, the deadline will be over. So I want to ask you guys a right. little prediction. Does Russell Westbrook stay with the Lakers after the deadline this week? Yes. I, yeah. 
Do you think they make any moves or no? I just don't. I just don't think people are interested in Talon Horton Tucker in a twenty twenty seven first round pick. And I think, much like so many other players who have worn the the purple and gold, if Talon Horton Tucker didn't play for the Lakers, then he'd be fairly anonymous in the NBA. Now, just because you said that, Betty's, we're going to see CJ McCollum end up with the Lakers for THT and some other combination of players. Just they because don't have enough money, they would I, have to trade Westbrook to get CJ McCollum. I reject the THT as a nickname. He doesn't. doesn't he's not doesn't good mean. enough for us to just have a shorthand for him. I mean, er, earlier there was a podcast where Bobby Marks went on Zach Lowe's pod and he he threw out the bombshell that maybe the New York Knicks would entertain. Alec Burks and Kemba Walker and whatever poo-poo platter for Russell Westbrook. I just don't think it happens. Um, I think that it's funny because I, I do think that the Lakers' best success is going to come with Russell Westbrook being more of a six-man role. I'm not saying he needs to come off the bench, but just just the responsibilities that are commensurate with a six-man is how they best succeed. He's not the same player that he was previously. He's 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 not as potent at the rim. He's lost. 10% of his athleticism, still a freak athlete, but his defensive effort is still abysmal. And his, I don't want to say like his passing, like vision has like fallen off, but maybe it's like his decision-making has just gotten worse and, and he's just seeing things that aren't there. So th- this dip for him from being a player that's always been inefficient and always been like, he, he pricks the sides of people that care about analytics. Th- this is a This is a fall that we've seen similar to like, Allen Iverson on the Pistons and Grizzlies, you know what I mean? And it can be really hard for those types of players to acknowledge exactly how Iverson failed to do so to acknowledge their mortality as an NBA former star and current, like Russell Westbrook isn't one of the hundred best players in the league anymore. And, and he doesn't know that he still thinks he's one of the 20 best. He's getting booze at the, he's, he's getting booed at home arena. I bet you he stays. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to move. I mean, that 2026 pick, it, that's a valuable pick. That's a valuable pick. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were, they're not going to get any headlining talent for that. But I wouldn't be surprised. Everyone knows that that offer's out there. When it comes down to it at the deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, I don't know when the deadline is, 2 p.m., 3 p.m., at 159 or at 259, whatever time it may be, if someone calls the Lakers says, hey, we couldn't find anything for this player. Fine. We'll do your stupid package. Let's go. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I think you can be confident about Westbrook being on the team. Um, uh, I We should close the trade talks with the, the Simmons and Harden stuff. Um, the, the Shams... The, the Shams reports, when I first threw it out there, Biddy said that it was clearly a, a clutch a clutch leak because Shams is frequently connected to clutch. And previously... His agent isn't his agent clutch. I, I think he is affiliated, but it's it. What's weird is if you actually read the the full article or report or however they frame whatever it was that he did, it was clearly that his source was Brooklyn. I mean, if you look into the information that he was getting from perspective of coaches, from perspectives of play style, they were talking about how Harden is playing differently than they were expecting him how to play. And they don't like how he's meshing with the players on the roster. It, it wasn't like, let's get Harden out of here for Ben Simmons sake. It, it was all about Brooklyn's perspective. And today we saw that Steve Nash said, no, we're not trading him. And who knows how much legitimacy there is to that. But I just feel like, 
every single podcast that I listen to, and I listen to an, an unhealthy amount of podcasts, every single podcast I listen to, a lot of them are sourced people. All of them are confident that Ben Simmons for James Harden is going to happen in some capacity. And I feel like I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think because it makes sense. It just makes sense for both these teams to do this trade. And I don't know what team has leverage. Like, I don't think that the Nets are excited about the possibility that Harden could leave in the offseason. I don't think that James Harden is enjoying his stay. I don't think that he's enjoying playing with Kyrie Irving 50% of the games. I don't think that Daryl Morey has, I mean, he has more leverage than he did four weeks ago, but does does he have the upper hand now? I, I have no clue how to gauge this, this discussion in, in, in totality, but the more I look at it, the more I just think it makes sense. I, I would, I would be, I would not be shocked if next time we record a podcast, James Harden was a Philadelphia 76er and Ben Simmons. I mean, I talked last week about how for Brooklyn, that, that fit in terms of play style just makes more sense. Steve, you were, you were iffy on it because you, you just thought if one of those guys go down or isn't there, as we've seen to be likely, that it could be a bad situation for Brooklyn. But I just think it makes too much sense. Why, you're still on the no way train? No, because James Harden is, is so much better than Ben Simmons. And... You know, they're just, they're yeah, playing, they're playing other chicken. Stuff. You're getting other stuff. Right. Not just so there's a, a couple things I want to unpack. They're all playing chicken with each other. Okay. <laughs> James Harden wants to scare the shit out of the Nets because he wants to get that extension now. So the Nets can feel good. The 76ers want to talk this into reality and make the Nets so scared that they trade them for Ben Simmons. And they went from saying, oh, he's not available to he's available for a trade. And now Steve's asked, says, oh, no, he's not getting traded. Listen. I have news for you. Everybody's available for a trade. I don't care who it is. Giannis, available for a trade. If the price is right, right, the price has to be right. Anything's for sale if someone's willing to pay enough. And I don't think what the Nets are going to want, they'll field offers, but what they're going to want is like 20,000 picks, your, the, the GM's wife, a couple new cars, like the new arena. Like It's just not going to be whatever they want. The Nets, Philadelphia and cheap-ass Daryl Morey is not going to pay. You know he's not I mean, going to pay. If they if they put if they put Maxi in the deal, the trade happens. The trade happens. If he says you can have Maxi and Ben Simmons, they're going to have James Harden. Should they include Maxi? I don't know. He's looked great. He looked great. But would do you, you remember? Trade, how, did you, you trade Maxi and Simmons? Do you remember how down everybody was on Simmons after that playoffs run? Like yes. most most people, at least fans. I don't know about GMs, but most fans are like Simmons sucks. He's overpaid. He's not worth anything. Like he's a negative contract. I mean, it's it's hyperbole, but I still think the narrative around the league is like this guy's not like a guy that you trade for three first rounders. Like he's at a diminished value, and he hasn't shown anything different. The last time you saw Simmons playing, he was afraid to dunk. So like his value is still low, and Maury is just talking this thing into existence. It's not real. Biddies, Biddies, do you remember in Houston? Do you remember the last 10 games in Houston that James Harden played? Um, you know, I don't remember the actual games, but I do recall that James Harden, there's a, a lot more of him to love. And uh, he did not, did not always have a smile on his face out on floor. Um, so if you if you don't remember the play style and how he looked on the court, specifically the defensive end of the floor, looks a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot like what we're seeing from Brooklyn Net James Harden in the past 10 games. These This stretch of James Harden, he he is tanking. He's tanking his value. He, what, what is this? What is this James Harden? 
Have you did you watch that Sacramento King what? game? That was the most disgusting. What, he's not, what why, did Rihanna say? Did what did Rihanna speak? say? Bitch, better have why? my money. That's what it's all about. No, give him his money. He's going to come saying, play. I'm going to tank my own value so that you pay me. Those don't add up. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to look why miserable. I'm going to look miserable as hell. So I scare the shit then, out of you and give say, me my okay, money. Screw you. We don't want you. You stink. What do you mean? They he's can't. Say, we don't want you. On They've our mortgaged. Roster. They mortgaged their entire future for this man. They are married to him, whether they like it or not. I think that Ben Simmons. I think. I think that. I think that Harden wants to play in Philly. I think that. The Brooklyn Nets don't want. They're nervous about James Harden it, it, extending him. He's older. He has a ton of miles. I, I so let's just okay. So for yes, the record, so right now, right deadline now, wait, is Thursday. Wait, wait. You're saying that you're, by Thursday it happens. it happens. I'm saying it happens. Are right, you on the record? So, so right now, right now, yes. Ben uh, Ben Simmons is probably like the 38th best player in the league when he plays, and James Harden is probably like the he's gotten worse he's probably like the 16th the 15th best player in the league yes i understand that they're that disparity but if you look at the age difference and you look at the fact that harden is not locked in and simmons is locked in if you're not ranking players in terms of who's the best player in the league and you're ranking players like bill simmons always talked about in trade value rankings those guys are got to be like three or four spots away from each other enough where you just throw in a seth curry and a first round pick and boom, you got to trade. I, I, I just, I think it happens. I, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand everything that everything you hear from everywhere makes it seem like it. Why would Brooklyn not do it? Why would Brooklyn not do it? Because they have. What does the boss say? Because Steve Nash is not the boss. He's not the boss. He's not the boss. boss wears number seven, and what he wants to happen is what's going to happen. I think he wants to continue to have James Harden on the team. I think James Harden's partially miserable because he was just like, I came here to play with KD and Kyrie, and KD isn't playing because he's hurt, and uh, Kyrie only plays every other game, and Kyrie's probably freaking weird. Like, probably, he's probably at peak weird. He's he's tired of all the like sage. Telling, he's probably, he's, like, telling his teammates that they're dumb and just, like, we don't have to get fully into it, but I feel like the people who uh, have gone against the vaccine are very vocal about their opposition. So I imagine that hanging out with Kyrie right now, you're hearing some really interesting takes on science that are probably getting pretty old for members of the Matt's locker room. And I think he's probably a little bummed out at the current state of affairs, but ultimately, you know, uh, going to Sopranos, Tony had to call Carmine before he tried to whack Johnny Sack. And that's really how it goes, is that the boss gets final say, and KD is the boss, and I think KD sees his best chance at the championship this year with James Harden. Yeah, but wouldn't Ben Simmons, full capacity Ben Simmons, doesn't full capacity Ben Simmons, if you're completely healthy, isn't that a better basketball team? Like, doesn't he fit better than James Harden? I understand. I just said James Harden is better, but doesn't like he just fit? Doesn't it make more sense? I think Simmons and Maxi and Seth Curry. Then you're more well <laughs> and you're more well rounded, and you're kind of back to where you started before you traded everything for James Harden. And by the way, right. Kevin Durant being the boss, he's really running the organization like a first timer. So to make a really weird left turn also wouldn't be totally surprising. Could- that, that that's where I think the discussion is right now. I think the level of where this trade negotiation is is right now. I think Sean Marks and Maury are saying 
we're willing to make this work as long as you include the right pieces around Simmons. We want Maxi. Maury's saying, no, you can have Seth Curry in three second round picks. And he's saying, no, give me Matisse Thibel in four first round picks. You know, it's just going back and forth. If he's willing to include Maxi, I promise you the trade happens. I promise you the trade happens. I, I know There's how we no figure it out. That Brooklyn says no to Maxi and Simmons. I know how we figure what? it out. We okay. we have to look and find Katie's burner account and see what that burner account is <laughs> tweeting. <laughs> And if it's pro Simmons, then we know the trade's going to happen by Thursday. And you're right. That's, you're so true. You're so true. All right, let's let's go away from that. Do you, Biddy's uh, closing thoughts on trades. Do you think the Celtics do anything besides Schroeder? Um, no, I think Brad wants to make a pick this year. You know, doesn't want to go two straight drafts without making a pick. So I don't think they'll make anything too aggressive. I agree with that. I I, I hope that Schroeder out means we get like. Pat Connington, or maybe we get Javante Green back, or, or you know what I mean? Just a body. I want to I want a warm body back that gives a better skill set than what Schroeder gives. But let's let's close out this week's episode with just like a five minute talk on, on the all-star rosters. I actually don't have them in front of me. Do you, Steve? Do you have the rosters in front of you by chance? I think that I got I think got I got the entire right. West. You got both. I think I got them. the West. You got both? You got both. No, I didn't pick Middleton. Oh, Middleton made it? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I agree. So I got the Western Conference right. I, I, again, I don't have it in front of me. It was Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, uh, Draymond Green. Um, go Biddies. Cat. Cat. Anthony Towns. Yeah, that Cat, Chris Paul, Mitchell, Green, Gobert, Luca, Booker. Luca. Yeah, so I had those. I feel like there's no surprises there. Steve was arguing for DeJunta. I wanted DeJunta. I think he was more deserving. You know what it is? It's that I feel like they just picked the big name guy when it's like yeah. splitting hairs. and like, ah, everyone so, knows Donovan Mitchell. So so Draymond Green said on the TNT broadcast that he's not playing in the game. They got to pick an injury replacement. Who's your – is your injury – I'm assuming your injury replacement is DeJunta. Yeah. My injury replacement is DeJunta. Biddies, who's your play, who are you picking for an injury replacement? Give me Anthony Edwards. Yes, I love it. I love it, Anthony Woods. I want him. I want him in the game. All right, Eastern Conference. Rattle off the selections. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, who I believe will be elevated to a starter, and yep. Fred Van Vliet. Okay. Oh, so Lamelo got think, snubbed. Yeah. So I think the entire roster makes sense, except for Middleton. I think. I think that roster makes sense. And if it was going to be a buck, it should have been Drew because Drew has been superior this year. But there's probably been four players in the Eastern Conference that I think have been more deserving than um, Chris Middleton this year. I would have picked the Celtics' Jalen Brown. I would have picked um, Jared Allen. I would have picked Lamelo Ball. I would have picked the aforementioned Drew Holiday. I think after that, it kind of gets a little iffy and you can put Middleton there. But I'm shocked he made it. I thought that for sure, if they were going to say, okay, you're the defending champ, you get two all-stars, I would have thought for sure it would have been Drew. But I'm surprised they didn't go with uh, the Cavs getting two players um, or just giving some like uh, nice infusion of youth talent to pay attention to and, and give maybe LaMelo the nod. But I, I especially with – so it's weird when you're judging like teams and how many all-stars they deserve – with teams that are dominant and they have like a top five guy. So like the Bucks and Giannis versus a team that's like a really, really good team. But this team doesn't have a top 30 player in the NBA, like the Cavs who have Darius Garland. Their success is more 
propelled by multiple guys where the Bucks' success, yes, it's a, it's a complete effort, but it's more responsible from just Giannis. So I think that Jared Allen is, is was probably the, the correct choice, and that was who I picked on, our, on, our, on last week when I made the selections. I picked Jared Allen. So I don't know who I want as my injury replacement because the same thing, Kevin Durant's out. I, I want – I mean, I'll just pick Jalen just because he was awesome tonight and he's he's been an all-star caliber player, but I wouldn't be surprised if they gave the nod to Jared Allen or LaMelo Ball or Drew Holiday. It's going to be one of those guys. LaMelo Ball, LaMelo Ball, but really quick, you know who I would even do? Middleton, get out of here. You know who deserves over Middleton? <laughs> My guy, Bobby Potus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's been busting his ass this year. He's been great. Biddies, who's, who's your injury replacement for, for oh. Kevin Durant? Give me Jared Allen. It's a you know, it's a silly night and it's in Cleveland, so let's not think too hard about it. Put the hometown guy in and let's have some fun. It is silly. You did formally say don't we don't want to pick one time all stars, but I I think that it's either gonna be Drew because no, because Middleton's on. They're not gonna pick a third buck. So it's gotta be someone else. It's yeah. either gonna be it's either gonna be Lamelo or Jared Allen because the Celtics yeah. aren't good enough. Lame- it's gonna be one yeah, of those Lamello two guys. Lamelo for the for the star power, Jared yeah. Allen for the fun. Home it's gonna be one so. of those two, and who knows? We could see more guys dip out for injuries and want to sit out. Who knows? But um, also, James, allow me a flip flop as much as I want to. <laughs> I flip flop all the time. You're fr- feel free to flip flop. You can hold me accountable to the flop to the, to my future flip. Um, <laughs> okay. I also I love as as we close. Just final thought. I love the the structure or whatever of the rising star challenge picking four yes. teams and now we're having g league players we got scoot henderson to watch who i want to talk about a lot in the coming year but uh, it's going to be really entertaining to watch i remember looking at one team i don't have the rosters in front of me but one team is terrible one team is like really really bad and the other three teams are really good but um with that let, let's skedaddle uh it was great talking to you gentlemen listeners rate review do all the cool love the dovey stuff Thank you for joining us on My Wheelhouse Podcast. Till next time, toodaloo.